The New York Islanders are back in the series after an intense 5-1 win over the Carolina Hurricanes. We'll break it all down for you and give you the prospects for evening the series in Game 4. How the Islanders pull this off, we'll break it down on today's bonus episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Broussard tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Marcel with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian. And I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. And welcome, everybody, to this special bonus episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank everyone for making Locked On Islanders your first listen every day. Don't forget to subscribe on your podcatcher of choice and or on YouTube so you can get each episode as they drop. And I want to shout out my everyday listeners, everydayers. Thank you for making us a part of your day every day. And wow, 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 a big Thrilling, satisfying, 5-1 to one win in Game 3, and we'll get to all of that. But first, if there's something Islanders-related on your mind, if you have a question for us, a comment about something we've discussed on the show, or maybe a topic you'd like us to talk about on a future episode, feel free to send us an email, the email address, LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. And if you leave your first name and where you're from, we're happy to mention you on the show when we discuss whatever it is that's on your mind. And yeah, got a couple of emails just after the game ended, and we'll quickly address those a little bit later on in the show. You could follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Isles, and you could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at Ice Wars, NYRVSNYI. We'll keep you up to date on all the latest Islanders news notes and happenings and I am live tweeting during nearly every Islanders home and road game, and let's face it, every game throughout the playoffs, we will be live tweeting, so make sure you join us for that, and uh, looking very much forward uh, to interacting with Islanders fans game time or any time, talking a little Isles hockey. All right, well, the Islanders... Kind of got off to a slow start, but boy, what a third period it was. They did what they needed to do, and they end up beating the Carolina Hurricanes 5-1. to one. Still trailing in the series 2-1, to one, but the Islanders hold serve, winning at the UBS Arena. And let's start with the basics. We talked on Friday's show about the importance of of the crowd at the UBS Arena being loud for their first ever playoff game in what I'm going to call the new barn, for lack of a better nickname. The crowd delivered. 
The place was intense. Yeah, it got a little quiet after the Carolina shorthanded goal that tied the game. But uh, other than that, the barn was rocking. And that is exactly what we wanted to and needed to see from the fans at the UBS Arena. And we talked about how the New York Islanders are trying to be physical and wear down the opposition. Well, they went out and did just that. Hits in this game, 43 for the Islanders, 28 for the Carolina Hurricanes. And, you know, the beautiful thing about it, that the hits were pretty much across the board. Zach Parise and Casey Sezikis each had five. Alexander Romanov, who was a game-time decision but gave it a go, played 15 and a half minutes, almost four hits. J.G. Pajot, four hits. Kyle Palmieri, four hits. Notice that, you know, some of these guys are not the guys you usually see at the top of the hit list. When your third-line guys and second-line guys are getting involved physically, that is a sign that we are in playoff hockey, and boy, oh boy, were we tonight. And the Islanders also blocking a lot of shots. Ryan Polak with four to lead the way. But the physicality of it did help the Islanders. And by the end of this game, at the end of the game, you started to see the, the Carolina Hurricanes hesitating and, and, and slowing down a little bit and turning the puck over a little bit more. And the Islanders were able to take advantage of it and they managed to get the win. And the, the great thing about this game, and it was such a, uh, an intense game, you look at the shot chart, and yeah, you know, the Islanders didn't get a lot of shots, especially in the first period, but by the end of the game, you know, the Islanders had 37 shots on goal, only 31 for Carolina, and that was largely on the strength of that third period where they outshot Carolina 17-7. to But the Islanders and the Canes both had a lot of shots from right outside the crease. Those high-danger shots, there were a lot of them in this game. And both sides, Islanders had more. So that tells me two things. Number one, the Islanders were not hesitating to go to the dirty areas, to dig for rebounds, to do the little things you need to do in order to win hockey games. And number two, it tells me once again that Ilya Sorokin, who made 30 saves and 31 shots, was on his A game. And that was especially important in the first period because... We were all a little disappointed that the Islanders did not come out as intense and as aggressive as we thought they would being back at home. They were outshot in that period 15-7, to and you just sort of thought, oh boy, here we go, hanging on by a thread. But by the end of the game, it was clear that the Islanders sort of gained momentum as the game went on, and to me, 
Part of that is wearing them down with the 43 hits. Outshot Carolina in the second period, 13 to 9. And then, as we said in the third, by a margin of 17 to 7. You see, as the game goes on, the Islanders getting stronger and the Hurricanes getting a little weaker. Uh, Shout-outs in this game. Kyle Palmieri, two points in this one. Casey Zizekas, two points. Ryan Pollock with two points. Scotty Mayfield with two points. But to me, Palmieri coming up so big with what turned out to be the game-winning goal with just one second left on the power play. And hallelujah, the Islanders finally got a power play goal. And I'm still not happy with this power play. They only broke even with the one power play goal that they got. They're still not moving the puck as well as they need to. They're still not moving and skating without the puck. But on that power play goal that Palmieri cashed in, they were aggressive, they were persistent, and they kept digging, and that's why they were able to get the redirection from Palmieri, who was right where he needed to be to to redirect the shot and put it in the net. And the puck movement, the play by Pajot to set up that goal, the quick pass by Ajo, uh, I mean by Pajot to Ajo, and the shot by Ajo, that all made the goal possible, and uh, boy, was that big. We got to talk about the shorthanded goal, though, and I'll tell you, it was ugly. It was careless. You had too many players out of position. You give up the two-on-one. You could see it coming as they lost the puck in there, uh, right at the blue line, and you had one defenseman pinching, and Barzi was out of position, and Jordan Stahl made a great play. Jesper Fast finished it off, and you just felt the air go out of the building when that happened. But you know what? In the last, after Palmieri scores the goal, and the Islanders set a new team record with four goals in two minutes and 18 seconds, Boy, was that place going crazy. It was Palmieri, then Martin, then Mayfield. How about Scott Mayfield scoring from 175 or so feet away as he's being pulled down into the empty net? That was a beauty. And then Anders Lee getting that goal uh, 16 seconds after the empty netter. This one with uh, Ranta back in the goal. But why was it important in my mind? Because Anders Lee has been struggling. And we talked about, hey, we need to see more from certain guys. Well, Anders Lee got a goal. He had four shots on goal in this game. Does this cure the Islanders of all the things they weren't doing well? No, not really, not necessarily. But it does wake them up, give them some more confidence, and that's a big deal. Alexander Romanov, you know, he and Parker Wotherspoon both skated in warm-ups, and it was going to be a game-time decision between Romanov and Wotherspoon. And obviously, you know, Romanov is, is more experienced. He's one of your regular six. Wotherspoon, ready if called upon, but 
how important was it to have Alexander Romanov in this game? We mentioned 15 and a half minutes almost, four hits, two blocked shots. He was a plus three in this game for the New York Islanders. The only player on the Islanders who was a plus three. And, you know, that speaks volumes. He didn't have any goals. He didn't have any assists. He didn't have any shots on goal. And he didn't play as many minutes as he would normally play if he was 100% healthy and in regular mid-season form. But just having him out there for 15 and a half minutes gave the Islanders more confidence. It allowed them to limit Sebastian Ajo to 12 minutes and 45 seconds, which means you're better off defensively and you're, you know, no Islander defenseman played more than 23 and a half minutes. Pellick, 23-37. Then it was Dobson with 20-23 and Pollock with 20-18. You compare that to game two when you only got five or six minutes out of Samuel Bolduc and the number of minutes that the other five defensemen had to play, uh, that is where you get into more trouble. They get tired. You're better Defensive defensemen, defensive zone defensemen tire out. They're not as effective. And bingo, you've got problems. All right, we've got more to get to on this episode, this bonus episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast. We're going to have our unsung hero and go to the game. We're going to break down more of what the Islanders did well in this game and a whole lot more. Stay with us. More to come on this episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors for a championship team. It's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. Well, it's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure that every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to the My Garage feature and look for the green check to know that the part will fit or you get your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop at eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Well, uh, got to talk about the way this game ended. And, yeah, the Carolina Hurricanes were getting frustrated. And, you know, finally, first of all, in this game, there were penalties called on both teams. And it was pretty even. Overall, the Islanders won for five on the power play, gave up the shorty. Uh, Carolina was 0 for 4. So again, we see the importance of the penalty kill for the Islanders. And we see that when the power play situation is relatively even, the Islanders have a a chance to win the hockey game. You can't have a playoff game when it's 6-0 in power plays unless... One team is just gooning it up out there, and is the other team is just the innocent victim. That's not going to happen. 
we got a whole bunch of misconducts at the end of the game. Jalen Chatfield and Anders Lee with 50 seconds left. Casey Sezikis and Brett Pesci with two seconds left. Matt Martin and Jack Drury. Whole lot of shenanigans. Primarily why? Well, Carolina frustrated. And that is why you play physical hockey. You wear the other team down. And, you know, the, the, here's the thing. The Islanders lost game one by one goal. Probably shouldn't have even, you know, been that close. But it was a tight defensive struggle. Two to one. Islanders lose. The power play for Carolina was productive. The power play for the Islanders was not. Game two, you lose in overtime four to three. But again, you lose on the road by just one game, uh, one goal rather. But game three, yeah, okay. The Islanders win by four goals, but it was a tie game with four minutes left in regulation. And I I was busy saying, yeah, this, this one's probably going to overtime again. But, you know, who steps up and gets the goals for the Islanders in this game? Casey Sezikis, Matt Martin, Scott Mayfield. Again, three guys you're usually not counting on to get uh, to, to deliver goals on a consistent basis. Your grinders, your hard-working blue-collar type players. And then Anders Lee, who we know needs to get going. And Kyle Palmieri, who has been really, really good for this team over the course of the last few months of the season. And that is just fantastic to see. The, the beautiful thing about this game really was the persistence that the Islanders had. And they stuck to their guns, and they played their game. And look, this team is still offensively challenged. They are not the most skilled group out there. They are not the most speedy team, but they are capable of playing with anybody. And when Sorokin is on his game, and thankfully he bounced back, and when, you know, this team is being physical and going to the net, good things can happen. And guess what? Good things did happen, and that's why you get the result that you got. Now, it is uh, going to be vital to get the series even on Sunday, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that. And don't forget, you know, Sunday's game, a, a big, big game on Sunday. Well, it's the Islanders and the Hurricanes, 1 o'clock Sunday afternoon, and you can catch every minute of this important playoff game on the Islanders' hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just search Islanders. And look, guys, this was just the kind of game the Islanders need to play and need to win. And it, it, it just, really, you could feel this team releasing all this tension and the fans as well, and just the way they got the job done. And having Romanov back meant something. Well, look, there are still some guys who we need to see more from. We need more from Bo Horvat. We need more from uh, J.G. Pajot offensively, although he was better 
in this game. And uh, I want to see more consistency, hopefully, finally, from Noah Dobson, who just, you know, continues to be a, a little frustrating in the way he handles the puck. Two giveaways in this game, and he was the only defenseman. He and Matthew Barzal were minus one in this game, and they were the only two players on the minus side. Barzy, you know, not his best game, but again, four shots on goal for Barzy, but five giveaways. The giveaways are still a problem. They had 21 of them as a team. And they've got to cut down on that. Five for Barzi, four for Ryan Polak. Yeah, it's something they need to to cut down on. And boy, the power play has to get better. But you know what? Keep hitting, keep working, and keep doing what you're doing because this is hopefully a turning point. Wanted to address uh, a couple of questions, some emails that we got uh right after the game. Uh, Let's start with Jeff in, I believe, Minnesota. Uh, This was a a much-needed win, but above all, I have never seen that much intensity before from this team, except maybe their Game 7 loss to the Lightning in the Conference Finals. I am hoping they can keep this up and knock the wind out of the hurricane sails, pun intended. Jeff, it was a great intense performance, especially the third period. I like that they built it up as the game went on, and that was great to see. Christopher from the Bronx. Gil, here are my questions. Were the Islanders playing hockey or soccer? Because I heard the fans chanting like soccer fans. Yeah, they were. We're seeing that more and more at sporting events throughout not just the NHL, but I think Major League Baseball, even the NFL sometimes. Uh, It's sort of the in thing now, and I don't mind it, but is it traditional? No, not really. Uh, And then do you think Hudson Fashing's goal counted? I think it did. Christopher from the Bronx. And Christopher, thank you for the email. It was so close. When When the shot was taken at first, I thought it did go in. And Fashing also played better by the way. I thought it was in, the Islanders clearly thought it was in, but there was no angle, uh, no no angle that I saw on replay that showed that the entire puck crossed the goal line. It was so close. It may have crossed, but I didn't see a definitive angle, and that is why they did not end up calling it a goal. If the Islanders would have lost this game again by one goal, Gosh, I would have been going nuts after that fashion goal, but uh, or non-goal. But you know what? Uh, it ended up not being a factor, and thankfully, uh, the Islanders were not hurt by what was a very close call. Don't forget, Sunday, 1 o'clock, Islanders, Game 4 against the Carolina Hurricanes. And you can catch every minute of this Islanders hometown broadcast on Sirius XM or on the SXM app. Just search Islanders. And now we're going to talk a little bit about what to look for in Game 4. Plus, we do have a bonus Islanders birthday of the day. So all that and more still to come on this episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Game 4, critical. Islanders win another game. 
and they are even. It's a best of three series if they do that. Now, they're still going to have to figure out a way to win in Carolina. Couple of things. Number one, the Islanders are still overpassing, especially on the power play, but not passing quickly and with purpose enough. So they have to clean that up. And, you know, they have to move the puck a little bit more quickly. That has been an issue for this team in this series. And I'll tell you why. The Hurricanes are like the Islanders. They are a defense-first team that takes away time and space. And boy, are they good at it. And they really, uh, as soon as a player gets the puck, there is a defender from the Hurricanes on them. If you can pass the puck quickly and effectively, you can overcome that. But it's not the Islanders' strong point, but they've got to do it. They've got to make quick, maybe shorter passes and find a way to get the puck moved. And, you know, still forcing the puck into the zone on the power play and sometimes uh, not on the power play, sometimes at five on five by skating it in. Carolina is on that. They are waiting for the Islanders to try to do it. They've got to mix it up, and they've got to, at least part of the time, go to the dump and chase. They can't let their foot off the gas. The fans have to be ready and loud, and the building has to be shaking. But also, also, the Islanders need to be uh, physical again in this game and keep wearing down the Carolina Hurricanes. Clutterbuck, shaken up, by the way, in this game. Glad he was able to return and gave a solid effort. So hats off to Cal Clutterbuck for toughing that one out and glad to see he was able to return. And, you know, with the power play, great to get a power play goal. Now they need to build on that. And, oh, yeah, and I think I could I could put this up sort of like a pinned tweet. I could put this in every show. Ilya Sorokin needs to play really, really well for the Islanders to win. He was great, and that was a big factor. Time for our bonus Islanders birthday of the day. And uh, Sunday will be the 50th birthday for former Islanders center Derek Armstrong. Six-round pick of the Islanders in 1992. Made his debut with the Isles, well, one game in 93-94. Played again with the Isles in 95-96 and 96-97, where he had 50 games played, the most he had with the Isles. Six goals, 13 points, 33 penalty minutes. Later played for the Senators, the Rangers, the Kings, and the Blues. Finished his NHL career in 2009-2010, 477 games, 72 goals, 221 points, 355 penalty minutes. Armstrong, really more of a defensive forward, not a dirty guy, not, uh, you know, a goon at all. 6'1", 193, pretty good size for the the 90s, but, you know, he was just a checking forward more than anything. His best game as an Islander, January 22nd, 1997, Islanders and the Edmonton Oilers. This game played at the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum, and Derek Armstrong ends up with a goal and assist. He's a plus two, and he scored on one of his two shots on goal. Eric Fischel with 16 saves, and the Islanders in the original Fisherman jerseys crush the Oilers by a score 
of 8-1. to one. Shout out to Frankie for uh, checking in with me after the game. And uh, everybody, uh, look, you asked for this bonus episode. And after a win especially, I'm more than happy to do it. Have a great weekend. We'll be back Sunday night slash Monday morning at midnight with a review of Game 4. Hopefully the Islanders keep the pressure up and are able to even up this series. Look, are the Islanders the better team? No, they're not. But they are right now the more determined team. And if they keep being the more determined team, they can certainly even up this series. I want to thank you for making Locked On Islanders your first listen every day. Every dayers, tomorrow, or I should say Sunday or Monday on the show, we will have our key takeaways from Game 4. And don't forget, Game 4 Sunday, 1 o'clock, Islanders-Hurricanes. You can catch every moment of this big playoff game with the Islanders hometown broadcast on Sirius XM and on the SXM app. Just search Islanders. Have a great weekend, everybody. Stay safe. Thank you for listening and watching. And of course, let's go Islanders.